This episode of Tales of the Voidfair is brought to you by all the awesome patrons over at the Project Derailed Patreon. If you are a fan of this show and all the other podcasts we create here at Project Derailed, you could join this legion of elite champions yourself over at patreon.com slash projectderailed. A single $5 subscription tier gets you access to patron-exclusive channels on our Discord, extended Q&A episodes, and a whole extra podcast called Derailed Off the Rails. Thank you everyone for your support. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. Captain Visco, you find yourselves in the back room of an establishment called the Den of Blooms. This man standing before you has close-cropped dark hair, tawny skin with a lavish, like, full-length robe in uh, bright oranges and purples. He has rings on all of his fingers. His nose is pierced in several places, the septum and one of the nostrils. And he has a piercing on his bottom lip right in the middle. Let me get this straight, Captain Visco. You discovered that your first mate was actually a brain creature and that some superstition of your crew was protecting you from the influence of some very powerful mind flare psionic threat. Did I get that correctly? That is about the long and short of it, yes. And you've come all the way here asking for my help. I'm so flattered. I wouldn't exactly be groveling at your feet were it not an important matter. And you don't know anything more about this mind flayer threat? Look, I've given you all the information that I have. If I knew any further, I would have taken further action rather than coming here. Yes, yes. Hmm. This is interesting now that i think about it i do have an associate of sorts in crot space currently she might have information that can enlighten the situation a little bit more for the both of us and he reaches up and snaps his finger and there's a flash of light marco Previously, you and Hannah were standing in the street of Nadir Anchorage when you were both whisked away to somewhere else. You find yourself in this sprawling network of arched chambers with brightly colored silks and draped banners crisscrossing their way across the entire space, cutting through a dull haze that seems to be emanating from a dozen or so hookahs, as there are a number of patrons sitting on cushions all throughout this space. You see all walks of life. There's a couple tieflings, some ASMR, 
you see a couple Genasi, some some other creatures that look sort of like this weird cross between a Genasi and a Tiefling. They have little shorter horns and like their features are like a little bit more lithe and impish. Very clearly elemental in some way, but humanoid nonetheless. And then there's also a couple elves and dwarves and halflings. It's a very, very strange, even for what you're used to in wild space, the clientele here is eclectic. Hannah is standing there next to you and she's just sighs. <sighs> he is an asshole. What? What? Um, wait. What? Where are, where, where, where are we? H- Hannah. Hannah, where are we? She kind of winces and kind of rubs her head, kind of exasperated. We are kind of um, in another plane. Not quite another plane. Kind of between planes. It's complicated. We're in Sigil, the city of doors. May I make a check on that? Um, preferably yeah. history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say Marco has heard of Sigil, but you can make a history check to determine exactly how much you know. Yeah, and Tanner has heard of Sigil, so this is this is fascinating. <laughs> All right, so let's see here. Um, uh, yeah, so that's a 24. Yeah, you've heard of Sigil before. Sigil is the city of doors. It's this weird um, kind of donut-shaped city that sort of exists between planes, um, kind of at the nexus of planes, and is known for just portals to basically everywhere in the multiverse kind of popping up in random places. And you know that it's um, ruled over by a entity named the Lady of Pain. I'm I'm sorry. What? What? Why are we in Sigil? So... You remember when I told you when you vanished, I tried to find you. Um, And before I realized you got whisked off into space, all I knew is that some sort of conjuration magic, some sort of teleportation uh, whisked you away. So the thread that I got on took me here. And that is where I met Zahair, my patron. I, um, and Marco just sits down for a second, like trying to process everything that's happening. Like he kind of like, yeah, he kind of blue screens for a second in his <laughs> mind and just sort of like sits down and starts to like just staring offwards for a moment. And he's like, yeah, um, I just, um, um, one second. And I'm going to try to cast sending to Ravnus and Luckbeak. Okay. Yeah, uh, you cast the spell, and it fails. Mm. Which, like, you know, casting Sending across planes usually works. There's a small chance that it doesn't, but you also know that there's something weird with Grot Space. Um, okay, and then I'm going to try to, um, you know, go into the link that we have. Yeah, you uh, use your innate astral connection that you have with Flapwing and Ravnus, and you kind of see the tethers coming off of you two of them but they extend off to infinity and you do not get a response so i look at hannah visibly my face is still just in a state of shock um okay um so why didn't you tell me about this sooner this is fascinating oh my goodness we're actually in sigil the city of doors um it's pronounced sigil um they will get very upset with you if you pronounce it like uh a rune sigil it's it's a touchy subject i know it's spelled the same hey um yes but either come on we're, we're actually in a, a a place of great you know 
arcane and historical import in another plane of existence. Oh my goodness, this is... F Hannah, this is... Why didn't you tell me any of this? This had to have been quite an adventure. It was, and it's not... Not everything that happened here is things I'm proud of. And I'm still coming to terms with exactly the situation. So I was hoping that it would have been um, a significantly longer amount of time before I got brought back here. Oh. <laughs> you hear a little voice next to you clear its throat and you look down and you see this little imp standing there with a tiny little butler's bow tie vest and tailcoat but no pants you've been expected to hannah and then it kind of blinks up at you and go you are not expected but the master likes surprises so if you both follow me Hannah sighs and says, "Thank you, Naz." So this is this is hello, Naz. Um, hello. You know, um, I do believe this is the part where Ravnus and Luckbeak were saying that I talk too much, so I think I'll just shut up for now. Probably for the best for everyone. I think for now, Marco will just like start following along, like still sure. highly confused, but just like, all right, I gotta watch and observe. Yeah, Naz spreads his little leathery bat-like imp wings and flies towards an archway in the back of the room, and you guys kind of weave your way through the various patrons on their cushions, eating cheese and fruit and smoking hookah. It smells great in here. Part of that is because you realize that the pillars and walls are actually covered with beautiful blooms, flowers of many, many, many different types, yellows and purples and whites. As you guys are cutting through, Marco, you see someone out of the corner of your eye that you just get the feeling that they're watching. You just know it. Uh, I think that Marco is actually just, as always, lacking a sense of decorum, is just going to turn straight to that person and start looking at them and see who's looking. You see a crone of a woman almost six foot tall but she's like hunched back a little and she has long silver white hair that hangs like straight down partially in front of her face and her eyes you can't make out pupil they're just black voids and as you notice her and she's staring directly at you and you see the corner of her mouth curl up in a smile a server or servant of some sort walks between the two of you and she vanishes um well, um, let's see here. What should... I'm just going to keep following the thing with no pants. <laughs> this imp that's just Donald Duck in it. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a wonderful sight indeed, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this imp uh, leads you both through an archway into a back chamber that is still vibrant with all of the... Um, you know, silk curtains and banners and flowers on the walls, but um, is much less populated. Um, actually, Garrett, why don't you describe what Visco looks like? Visco is a tiefling bard, uh, captain of a ship. He dresses in the nicest clothing that he can afford, although he and his crew are frequently a bit uh, downtrodden, down on their luck. Um, but he tries to appear much more posh than he uh inherently is he is very particular he likes the finer things i would imagine that his horns are uh, up to a very fine uh, single point above his head and that he has uh, lighter red skin 
Nice. Um, yeah, this tiefling standing there, and you could actually see that kind of standing a little bit off to the side as if they weren't really part of the conversation. You see um, a lizard folk uh, wearing like kind of simple sailor's outfit, and then um, standing next, almost dwarfed next to this giant reptilian man is a jolly-looking rotund halfling. Um, and they're kind of standing just a little bit off to the side. And then they all seem to be addressing a man standing a little bit raised on a dais. There's large cushions and stuff around, wearing this long, colorful robe and rings and piercings. Ah, Hannah, it's been so long. And you brought a friend, tell me. Who is this? Hannah will say, Ah, uh, yeah. Hi, Zahar. Um, this is Marco. And he goes, Ah, Marco, you've told me so much about him. He really is such a lost puppy dog in his demeanor, isn't he? And you see Hannah looks very embarrassed. <laughs> I look over and go, puppy dog? I, um... I might have been a little bitter last you came up. Um... <laughs> looks back over to, like, just kind of like, once again, blue screens, and then turns back to this gentleman and be like... Yes, um, I am Mako Estorio. It's uh, certainly an experience meeting you. Um, what's going when you on? you mention your name, you kind of see in the corner of your eye the halfling that was standing off to the side, kind of like perk up a little bit and kind of glance up at the lizard folk. And Visco certainly will as well. So, um, there's a lot of questions going through my head, and I don't know which ones I even want to start with, but let's start with them. Um, why are we here? A great question, he says with a beaming smile. And you see his eyes kind of twinkle unnaturally with a little bit of like a yellowy radiance to them that seems distinctly not human. He takes a couple steps down uh, more to your guys' level and he goes, You see, this is Captain Visco and two of his crewmates, Yarin and Dosk, if I remember correctly. You remember correctly, yes. Zahar will continue. Captain Visco here has come to me, telling me of a problem that they are having in Krat's space. Something to do with mind flares and a very strong and dangerous hidden threat. And I was hoping to get more information, so I thought I'd bring my good dear friend Hannah here to ask, and it seems she brought along you. Um, I look over to Hannah to, with kind of a look of like, can I trust this guy? Uh, Hannah will kind of shake her head imperceptibly and kind of lean forward and whisper in your ear. He likes to make deals. Do not give him anything for free. Why, um... He will not offer you the same courtesy. Okay, um... I've read your book. I, um... But you... I didn't think anybody read that. Well, I did. That was your your, <laughs> your translation book on Kratoria that you and Roddix co-authored. Oh, oh, I thought it was my dissertation. Yeah, no, 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 not your dissertation. Nobody read that. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, no, nobody read that thing. Yeah. No, the, um, the translation notes that you brought back um, and gave to Roddix, he put it into a book, and your names are both on it. Okay, I think my, my statement will still stand because I think Marco would not immediately think of that. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't think anybody read my dissertation, not even the library. Oh, oh, you mean the um, the book with Roddix? Yes, with the Kratorian translations. Correct. It was uh, 
quite useful in uh, a search for well, something. Yes, um, well, um, for, thank you for, for purchasing the book, and I'm glad that it was quite helpful. We should probably compare notes later if you're interested in ancient Kratorian. Hmm. That may pan out to be quite useful indeed. See, you already know each other. We're off to a great start. Okay, um, before we move forward here, I have another question, and that is, who are you? Because if I've been told correctly, Hannah has said that you are her patron. A crude term, but an accurate one. Apologies, I should have introduced myself sooner. Most of the time, anyone coming here already knows who I am. I am Zahar, the luck broker. Would that name ring a bell to me? Nope. Uh, and he says, So, okay, um, forgive me, sir, but I, uh, apparently my reputation preceded me as a uh, lost puppy. Um, but I don't believe I know Zahar the luck broker, and um, I would like to get to know you a little more before I say another word. A dangerous proposition. I am someone who has lots of resources at my disposal. I have many strings that I can pull to make many things happen across the plains, which is what brought Captain Visco here and is what brought your dear friend Hannah to me as well. Yes, okay, one second. As I try to recombobulate myself once again. <laughs> as Marco is still just sitting here, like, in his own world, wondering what the hell is going on. Like, he he was in an alleyway, like, five minutes ago, and yeah. he's currently talking with, yeah, this person. So, well, um, he kind of comes back and he says, um, and if I were to know my basics on... Uh, warlocks, patrons, and so on and so forth. Um, that would mean that you are quite the powerful entity on par with almost that of a god. You flatter me. He reaches down. There's like a small stand nearby with a goblet of drink, and he reaches out to grab it, and you actually see that his hands go the wrong way when he picks up the glass and takes a drink. Does that spark anything in Marco? Probably, but you could make an arcana check to know exactly how much. Okay. With Marco, the answer is like almost always. Yeah, he probably knows at least a little. <laughs> um, so that's a nat 20. That's a 29. Nat 20. Oh, instantly. This is a Rakshasa. Ooh. Oh. And although like to be powerful enough to be a warlock patron, he's not any normal Rakshasa. But you know Rakshasa are fiendish entities. They, they love making deals. They love opulence and excess and hedonistic pleasures. And uh, they're not uncommon as planar travelers, since they originate in the lower planes. Sigil is a way stop for them on their way to the material. And it seems that this one in particular has set himself up here and has made quite the name for himself if he has amassed enough power to be a warlock patron. So I will uh, keep my mouth shut for the time being, because um, knowledge is power, I think, in this relationship. <laughs> So, the reason that I asked you here is to ask Hannah some questions about what she might have observed in Kratz's space um, regarding this threat. But you here, Mr. Astorio, and being supposedly an expert in the Kratorian peoples, perhaps you can have some answers to share as well. I'm trying to think how Marco would actually put this. So, looking like looking back to Hannah, looking like thinking again, um, Marco is usually not like 
jumping into negotiations like this. So I think he's going to come in it very bluntly and say, yes, um, I certainly have a great deal of knowledge about the Kratorian Empire, and um, I have a good amount of information about um, Mind Flayers as well. Um, but most of the work that I do, you could have already read in that book. Um, so anything that's not currently publicly available, I would say has to come at some kind of cost. Interesting. And I would argue the contrary, since that book is mostly translations and speaks nothing of illithid threats. However, Hannah, in exchange for you and your friends, Marco's cooperation, I am prepared to return to you one thirty-second of your fortune. Visco will raise his eyebrow high when he hears the word fortune. Hannah kind of glances at Marco and back and says, one-sixth, Zahar smirks. A bargainer as always, I see. We will say three-sixty-fourths and call it a deal. Um... Um, Hannah furrows her brow and then will glance at you, Marco, and say, that would be agreeable if it's okay with you, Marco. I, so the answer is, if it's okay with you, I'm fine with it, but, um, I don't know how much of a say I get in, 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 in this transaction. I think he's lumping us together for the purposes of getting what he wants. It's up to you whether or not that is acceptable to you. The terms he grants help me greatly, however. Um, alright, so as soon as um, she says it helps me immensely, I think Marco would just say I accept. Zahair will smile and say, very good. Provide me, answer the questions that I ask, provide me the additional information that I require, and your friend Hannah will get three sixty-fourths of her fortune returned to her. How many questions? Knowledge is power, right? You are a clever one. Let us call it five. And if additional questions are required, additional negotiations can occur. Deal. First question. What do you know of the psionic threat that threatens Krat space currently, as I understand it. The answer is not as much as I would like, but certainly a great deal. From everything that we have learned, especially in the past couple of days, there is a very exceptionally powerful elder brain that is currently working towards its own ends within Krat space. From what we can gather from past actions, there has been some sort of culling that has occurred of former civilizations, most likely Kratorian Empire. And this thing seems to be at the heart of it. It is exceptionally powerful, massively larger than any other illithid community we have ever seen, and has the ability to cast spells that could affect the entirety of Krat space. He will turn to look at Visco. Does that track with what you have observed? I do believe it does. Um, Mr. Astoria, one of these things was masquerading as my first mate. For how long, I don't exactly know. You, um, do you 
operate in crot space? I mean, considering the location that we're in, I... I do. Um, it was rather a, a mix of good fortune that brought me here to uh, speak with Mr. Sahar and, well, yourself now. Really? Wait, so, okay, so your first mate was an illithid. Um... Not, not an illithid per se, but uh, an intellect devourer is what my crew has told me. An intellect an intellect devourer, that's a rather lower level sort of creature. It tends to, um, yeah, take over the body, uh, destroy the mind, eat it from the inside, essentially. Yes, that sounds right. Now, Marco, you remember hearing something about mind flayers potentially breeding and training intellect devourers to serve them. Yes, some um, uh, intellect devourers, they are usually bred by mind flayers, and they're sometimes even kept as pets in a weird sort of sense, um, but very useful in terms of utilization for their breeding purposes. Um, usually an infiltration type of deal. So you think that something like that could have been set upon my ship by a mind flayer, perhaps? I can't see another logical explanation for why an intellect devourer would have gone onto your ship and, um devoured the mind of your first mate. In my mind, the idea of them being uh, just a rogue mind flayer, just wandering about, is is um, exceptionally small. So, the, the logical answer would be, yes, you were targeted for some reason. Why, I can't say. It said something about uh, its master wanting to know a bit more about my ship, and rather why its uh, powers could not affect us. Wait, your... Its powers couldn't affect your shipmates? Ah, bloody hells. Yes. Uh, It is uh, perhaps a bit of good fortune and uh, a bit of looking on my end that has caused this. We we are able to get... uh, How do I put it best? Influence by some sort of force that seems to mask our ship from the influence of apparently a mind flayer. The phantasm. You hear a gravelly reptilian voice say. Yes, Dusk the phantasm, thank you. Visco rolls his eyes as he has to give away more information. Marco, that sounds vaguely familiar. Um, what's familiar here? I'm sorry. Just go ahead and make me a flat intelligence check. Um, do-do-do. Uh, 16. Yeah. You remember briefly passing through a temple in Lyceum Aconis, the ancient Kratorian library city. There was a observatory to the Twelve Wardens. And you're fairly certain that one of the wardens was named the Phantasm. Um, I, um, um, Captain, uh, Visco, was it? Yes, that's correct. Are, um, I just, um, are you familiar with the, um, something, the Twelve Wardens? You probably very distinctly note Visco's eyebrow raise up even further than it did when (laughs) Fortune was mentioned. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, yes, I am, uh, quite familiar with the concept. You seem to be as well, Mr. Astorio. We are going to have a conversation later. And I look back to, um, Zahar. 
Oh, please, you are giving me so much information, and I only asked one question, he says with a grin. <laughs> what? And I kind of look back and like, well, what's your second question? So, from what Captain Visco has told me, he has found he and his crew are unable to speak of this threat to anyone else. Is that something that you have experienced? Yes, very much so. Um, at least for my own purposes, we've only really known a handful of people that have been able to be immune to the effects of the Mind Flayers, um, myself included. Everybody else that we meet, it tends to get warped and shaped. Um, with basically the idea that there is a gigantic magical field across all of Crot space that is doing this, that for reasons I'm still not entirely sure, parsing out myself, there's only a handful of people that are immune to it, and the reasons being are various. And it's your entire crew that is also immune like his? Is that your third question? Yes. My entire crew, no. From my knowledge, there's only five of us that are immune to its effects, uh, myself and Hannah included among them. He raises an eyebrow and looks at Hannah. Hmm. I suppose that our agreement grants her some protections. This could be one. And he turns back and goes, I have two more questions, correct? Last I checked. Technically, that was a question, but I suppose I'm not a part of this agreement, so I'll... I'll sit here quietly. <laughs> he grins slyly at Visco and then looks back at Marco, waiting to see if Marco will call him on that. Marco kind of looks and goes, that was a question. Fine. My last question is really the only one I care about anyway. If both of you are able to resist this influence of the... this entity... However, his entire crew seems to be immune, and from what I understand, you and only a handful of your companions are. So this begs my final question, Mr. Astorio. How is it that you are able to resist the influence of this entity? Hmm. Marco will say, we received it as a gift from an odd entity that appeared to be that of an old gith man. Interesting. Interesting indeed. He'll turn back to Visco. I do believe I've received enough information to get a sense of what is happening, and I do think I could be of help to you and your crew, Mr. Visco. I'm sorry, Captain Visco. I need to check on some resources, and I may be able to provide you with a boon to protect you in your travels further, and I think I will be looking into this issue personally to some degree as well. We can sort out the exact terms of this arrangement over the course of the next day, if that is agreeable to you. That is agreeable to me. My ship is here, my crew is here, so therefore, I will be here as well. Excellent. Well, I don't believe we have any more um, business, so I would kindly ask that you leave me to my privacy. 
Hannah, as always, dear, it was a pleasure to see you. You should come back and visit more frequently, and then maybe I won't have to pluck you out of the material plane. And Hannah's going to say, you can send us back, right? And he smiles and says, you know how much trouble it was for you to get to crop space the first time. You know that they do not possess this power to just send you back. However, I have good news. As the population of Krat Space is ever increased, so too proportionately does natural doors to Krat Space open here into the city of doors. And he'll clap his hands twice, and you see Naz, the imp, like stagger his way over because he's under the crushing weight of a tome that's like twice the size of he that he is. Onto the stone step and flips through some pages, pulls out these little tiny imp sized spectacles. Well, let's see here. Uh, Karat space. Is that spelled with two A's or one? Two. <laughs> and he keeps flipping. Ah, Karat space. Newly formed portal to Karat space has just opened up at the Black Sails Tavern in the Low Ward. The current portal key holder is a one Esther Moonchild. And you see Zahir go, ah, Esther, a dear. I know her well. She is an impeccable creature of the habit. And if I know her like I think I do, she will be arriving at the Black Sails Tavern in approximately two hours, like she does every day. Ah, well... I must be going in that direction as well, uh, Mr. Astorio, perhaps if you'd like to grab a drink before you head on your way. Yes, that sounds lovely. Um, I, you, it seems you know the place better than I do, so, um, lead the way. So, I'm gonna actually, like, look back to, um, Zahar, and I'm gonna say, before I go... Since all of my conventional means are not working, I need to be able to tell my friends where I am, and at least that I'm, uh, not dead. Well, I, I am in another plane of existence, but at least that I'm coming back, so... Is there any way that you could tell me how to contact people from Crotspace, who are in Crotspace? Yes, I do believe I have something that would serve this purpose. Um, he claps his hands. I'm still right here. Yeah, yeah, I'll get the thing. And the imp flies off and comes back with an oil lamp. Um, very, like, Aladdin-style oil lamp. It almost looks like a gravy boat. And the imp will hand it to Marco. And Zahar will say, Say the name of the recipient. It's not like sending. They will not get to respond, but you can at least get a word out. Thank you. And I'll uh, take the lamp. And, um, I will say into it, um, Flapwing Rockhopper and Ravnus. When you say that, a tongue of flame appears off the nozzle of this lamp and it flickers as you talk. Hi, long story short, I'm in another plane of existence, but I will be back soon. And then as soon as you complete the message, it extinguishes and there's a trail of smoke. Um, and, uh, Zahair will say... Your message has been sent. Now, Nar, uh, and the the imp goes, yeah, 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 I got it, and like flies up and just grabs the lamp out of your hand and flies away. <laughs> now, if you don't mind, please leave. 
nods and uh, I will go ahead and exit with Hannah and the others. Dusk, Yaren, with me. Oh, yeah, Captain. Yeah, you guys start to leave and Hannah goes, wait, Zahir. And he goes, ah, 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 yes. My apologies. A deal's a deal. And he snaps his fingers, and there's a small flash of white light. And you see that Hannah is kind of enveloped in light for a second, and her hair kind of blows from, like, a wind that you do not feel. And she nods. Thank you. Until next time, and I get the rest of it. And she turns and kind of nods to you, Marco, that let's leave as quickly as we can. Marco will stop for a second, looking at all of that, and just, like probably kind of like have to like get like nudged a bit by hannah before like moving forward yeah she grabs your hand come on let's go oh, okay yes yes of course um and he just kind of like looks back to zahar and just uh doesn't do anything turns around and goes away yeah follows. zahar is watching you guys leave with a grin you see his features ever so slightly tiger-esque and then you're out of sight you guys head out uh, back into like the main sitting area of the Den of Blooms, this hookah lounge, and then out onto the street. And Marco, you almost fall over in disorientation because as you walk out of this establishment onto the street, you look up to not see sky, but more city as it appears that the city is built in this non-linear, non-Euclidean fashion, looping like a ring on itself. But not only that, it's also like in a canyon, almost as if the city itself is built on the inside of a tire. And there's a soft haze that fills the sky from millions and millions of smokestacks. But as you look up, you see more city as it wraps around in a loop. Oh, um, I, I, I remember, um, I need a second. <laughs> it's quite a thing, isn't it? Yes, I, I read about it in books, um, but I guess, you know, reading and experiencing are two entirely different experiences. That they are. everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your Dungeon Master and Warden, which is what the GM is called in Mothership. More on that in a minute. Thanks for listening to the sixth episode of Chapter 7 of Tales of the Voidfarer. We apologize for the recent delays. My life suddenly got very busy, and that naturally got in the way of editing. But thank you so much for your patience, and uh, hopefully it was worth the wait. Special thanks to my best buddy Garrett Kimmel for joining us this episode, reprising his role as Visco, the tiefling bard from his interlude a while back. You might also recognize his voice from Fables Around the Table Curse and Fables Around the Table She. Check out his band, Northern Weather, wherever you stream music. As always, if you're enjoying Tales of the Voidfarer and all the other content we create here at Project Derailed, we'd be incredibly appreciative if you considered supporting us over on Patreon. With a single $5 subscription tier, get access to patron-exclusive Discord channels, extended Q&A episodes, and a whole extra podcast where the Derailed team just chats about whatever. 
And we know not everyone is able to pitch in, but you can always support the show at no cost to you by leaving a review on iTunes or simply spreading the word on social media. And as always, just thanks for listening. Visit patreon.com slash project derailed if you'd like to subscribe. You should give us a follow on our social media at Voidfare Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfare Pod on Twitter. The next season of Fables Around the Table is one that I am very excited about. The year is 2133. Humanity has never been more advanced, with thousands of new science and industry outposts being established ever further out beyond the asteroid belt. While corporate execs toast to rising profits aboard their orbital yachts and asteroid resorts, the hardworking roughnecks like the crew of Synergistic Management Solutions 108 are what makes it all possible. But when that weary crew wakes up to find themselves millions of miles off course at a secret space station deep in the Kuiper Belt, the horrors and challenges of life and work in space may finally become too much to bear. Join Fables veterans Caitlin Camp and Roger Page, Tales of the Voidfarer's Tanner Bivens, and newcomers Adam Seats and Twitch streamer Bam Crash Kapow as they play the space horror RPG Mothership by Tuesday Night Games. Jammed by me, Nick Yurisiva. Episode 1 premieres Wednesday, May 24th, and check out the trailer at the end of the break. The newest addition to the Project Derailed podcast family is Into the Scoobyverse. Our very own Fiona L.F. Kelly is joined by Roger Page, who played Roxlam in one of the interludes a while back, as they discuss anything and everything Scooby-Doo. Also, be sure to check out our other new Derailed podcast, Cosmere and Coffee. Tom, Mike, and myself engage in casual discussions of the interconnected worlds of author Brandon Sanderson. And while it's not technically within the Cosmere, our discussion of the latest Sanderson book, The Frugal Wizard's Handbook for Surviving Medieval England, will be out soon. Cape Chronicles Season 3 is starting soon. Tune in to experience all the superhero shenanigans and teenage angst as our good buddy Cliff leads Fiona, Chelsea, Roger, and myself in our ongoing game of Masks A New Generation. Catch episodes of Cape Chronicles the first and third Wednesdays of the month. Come hang out with us over at the Project Derailed Community Discord, where we are always hanging out, sharing memes, and playing games. Head to projectderailed.com discord to join in on the fun. Theme song and other original music by Tom Goldthwaite with additional music by purple-planet.com. The next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will hopefully land on Tuesday, May 16th, and I'll hopefully see you then. Series dash MS-108, you are go for talking approach. Copy that, series. Jack, what the hell is this? Apparently, a contract has been sold to yet another shell company for Valkyrie. We can't expect to progress in any organization if we don't put in the work. I think you got a little brown on your nose. Oh, fuck off, Cameron. Memory desync detected. So you both go check and see what's going on. I'm going to pull up the log. Something really fucked up here. Gallagher, Gallagher, are you there? Yes, I'm, I'm here. All that data is probably the key to getting out of here. Collision course detected. Oh, Jesus Christ. Make another sanity check. Oh, that's bad. Oh, no. What the fuck? Back the ship, y'all. Back the ship, y'all. Back the ship, y'all. Fables around the table. Continuum. Playing Mothership. Episode 1, May 24th. Be careful.
gaggle of Modrons blow past you, chattering to themselves. And you see lots of people walking in the streets here. Many races you recognize, humans and dwarves and elves, but you also see Jin and Janasi and Elementals and Tieflings and Asimar and full-blooded Celestials. You see a handful of these menacing-looking amphibian-like creatures with super wide heads. They almost remind you of Slod, Marco, mm-hmm. that you've heard of before. But these are definitely welcome to Sigil. They're not full Slod Eye. Um. Okay. So about that drink. Yes, it will uh, quite take the edge off. I do believe. So you come out in the ladies' ward, which is more affluent, um, definitely more of like the the rich, ritzy, noble part of town. Um, the architecture is wild. It is this amalgamation of cultures and architectures from hundreds and hundreds of different worlds all mishmashed together, although it all sort of has similar iron blade and spike ornamentations that kind of line the peaks of roofs and the edges of walls and fences and ledges and the like, kind of giving everything sort of a slightly menacing feeling. But you would know that this probably has something uh, to do with like honoring the Lady of Pain, who is depicted often as a masked woman with a halo of swords around her. Um, and you know that heading to the low ward where the black sail is located, you're going to head uh, kind of the left going sort of counterclockwise around the donut um, a handful of blocks to get there. So while we're walking, I think I'll probably like fade back a little bit with Hannah. Well, what happened back there? What 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 did you give give Zahar? I gave him a fraction of my fortune. Not that kind of fortune. Marco, his title is the Luck Broker. So you gave him luck? My luck. Part of it. Okay, so... Three-fourths of it, exactly, actually. And I managed to earn back a bit before I found you, um, and I earned a little bit more back now. Thank you. Um, but I still have a way to go. So this luck has been made into a, a tangible resource um, that you could give away to this this Zahar. Sort of. It's not anything that I did. It's just something that is. And it's something that he can take. Uh, what are the... I, I, I'm scared to say, but what are the ramifications? Like, what... What happens that you don't have this? I don't actually fully know. He wouldn't say. That's, um... But I do know that it will, you know, it'll manifest when I least expect it. And when that happens, things have a tendency to not go my way. Um... It hasn't been that bad, but it's always something I'm worried about. And all of this was to find me? Uh, I mean, that's how it started. I may have gotten myself into more trouble in that pursuit, and Zahair helped me out of it. And he is the reason I was able to find you. Um, but yeah, it came at a cost. Um, I think, like, Marco will then look very, very sullen, um, as he's kind of, like, walking and goes, so all of this 
is in a way my fault. No, 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 Marco, it's not your fault. I mean, I didn't do anything that I didn't want to do. Uh, I'm. I don't, it's hard to, you know, not, you know, if I had tried to find a way to get back, at least. I, I mean, I did, but you, you know what? It's in the past. It's fine. I've come to terms with what's happened. Um, listen, I will. I want to help in any way that I can to help get this back for you. If no other else than I, I don't want you, you know, it's not a it's not a good thing to be in the debt of a exceptionally powerful Rakshasa. Visco, that's probably the first time you've realized what Zahar is. A Rakshasa, you say? Uh, yeah, the the backwards hands gave it away. Hmm. I will have to make a note of that. If you, if it's, uh, helps at all too, not only is he a Rakshasa, but if he has the power to create patron-like relationships, it means that he's exceptionally more powerful than your average one too. That is concerning, but I need him to help me do what I need to do. So looking around the area, I think Marco would say very quickly, like, maybe we should at least have this conversation in a little bit more of a private setting. So let's uh, hurry up and get to this bar. Good idea. And you guys go. And Marco, that's when you notice that it's probably a good thing you said that because defi- someone is definitely watching you. Um, Again, Marco is going to just kind of like try to look in the direction of where um, this person's trying to follow me. You glance and kind of standing sort of partially in the shadow of a nearby alleyway. You see that same old woman that you saw back at the Den of Blooms. Her long silver hair that hangs probably past her knees. Her black pits of void that are her eyes. Um, and again, you blink, and she's gone. Let's get that drink. <laughs> you all right there? Uh, yeah. Um, cold chill down my back, I guess. Um, let's just get to the location, and we can parse all of this out. All right, then. You traveled for a few more minutes, and eventually getting to a tavern called The Black Sails decorated with a ship's mast and a crow's nest that sticks up at an odd angle over the entrance and the walls and building itself almost looks like it's made to resemble a wooden ship. Not well, by the way. It doesn't have anywhere near the like right proportions. It's like someone described what a sailing ship looks like and then they built it here. It's not like, Marco, where you're used to on Adir Anchorage where everything is literally made out of shipwreck. And you go in and you see the entire interior is themed pirates and spell jamming pirates and stuff. However, not authentic by any means. Marco being someone who, and Visco especially being a captain, this feels like an intentional theme. (laughs) Did we go get a drink at a Long John Silver? I was thinking like a Planet Hollywood Rainforest Cafe type place. Right. (laughs) And you see standing behind the bar washing a glass with one hand and his trunk is a towering Loxodon in a white and black striped shirt, an eye patch that he has currently flipped up over his forehead, and a pirate hat that does not fit at all. And as he walks in, he goes, Yar, what can I be getting ye? 
A pint for me, and whatever they want, put it on my tab. Right there, then. I'm actually, I'm not going to do the voice the whole time. Here's your drinks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That'll be six copper apiece. I hand him six copper. Yeah, he, he takes all your money. He goes, have a seat wherever you like. If you need anything, the name's Toots. <laughs> Marco doesn't laugh, but I do. <laughs> So this giant elephant man gives you your drinks and you turn to observe the rest of the bar. Um, there are a handful of people in here. You see what appears to be a summer Aladrin in bright orange and yellow colors in his hair and uh, complexion as well as his attire is sitting having a conversation with a changeling, which you know is a changeling because she's not wearing or they're not wearing any sort of particular persona. It's just that kind of opalescent white kind of facade. At another table, you see that a water genasi is having a conversation with a bugbear and two humans. In fact, they're playing a dice game. Two Afrit, um, these giant, like, eight, nine-foot-tall fire genies are having a conversation in the corner, uh, a male and a female. And you see that there is a table surrounded by three flumps who are hovering around, conversing with each other, drinking their drinks through their tentacles somehow, um, almost like uh, siphoning it out with a hose or a straw. They can just absorb it into their, their tentacle. And there's this like faint pitter-pattering sound that you only just now notice. And that's because there's a small cramped stage in the corner and standing there is a duo drone, a type of mudrin who looks like a, a square box with two eyes and wings. And in front of him is a bongo and he's just tapping on it lightly. Almost, it sounds more like Morse code than music. <laughs> Looking... Looking at the three flumps, I think Marco was just going to say, any other day, that would have seemed strange. <laughs> so, but there is a large table that can accommodate the five of you. So sitting down, um, Marco is going to start by saying, so there's a, a lot of questions that I have, but um, maybe we should at least get to some introductions other than uh, in the presence of that um, luck broker. Um, I'm Marco Astorio. I'm a Kratorian scholar, and also I'm a crew member of the Void Fair. Visco will stand and uh, offer his hand out to you and bow slightly. I am uh, Visco, captain of the Liedvogel. The Void Fair, you say? I, I have heard of that before. Uh, it's good to know our reputation precedes us. Hmm. So um. it does. Does the lead vogel um, ring a bell? As I, I'll also stand up and shake his hand, of course. Uh, Marco, you make a uh, history check for me. Okay. Um. Okay, so that's a that's a sixteen. Yeah, yeah. You're, it, it rings a bell. It's not a ship you're super super familiar with, but you're pretty sure that you've heard the name before. You're pretty sure that they've passed through Nadir Anchorage on more than one occasion, and you kind of associate the name with like a traveling troop of performers basically. You kind of just assumed that they were, like, some sort of, like, circus or traveling show. Um, yeah, yeah, um, I do believe I remember two of our crew members, um, Jack and Tatters and Scuttlebutt was saying something about a performance that you all did at some point? Hmm. Yes, we, uh, we do like to sing and, uh, craft music aboard the ship. Um, fascinating. Um, in fact... I believe that might lead to some questions that we both have for one another. 
Okay, so uh, I guess quid pro quo. You ask, I ask. You say an old Githyanki man is the one who gave you this boon to avoid being detected by illithids, yes? Are you going to give this information to um, our happy little friend back in the hookah bar? I have no intention of doing so. Fair enough. Then yes, um, myself, as well as two other members of the Voidfair, um, were on a salvage quest whenever we came across this old Githyanki, um, who bestowed upon us powers and told us that there was a great Mind Flayer threat in the world, um, at which point we forgot it until just recently, and in its place we thought that we fought a decrepit old beholder wearing a pirate's hat. Um, that, uh, sounds like quite an adventure. Do you know the location of said man? Unfortunately, I don't. Not that I can recall. Um, I could tell generally where he was, but I don't think that that was his actual location. He was more or less probably, I would say, even in another plane of existence. Well, what you would know is he had concealed himself in a protective, like, pocket that slowed time. Um, and he was just waiting for someone to come by to bestow this ritual upon that might have a chance of stopping the Sovereign Mind. Um, you know, he was probably physically at that asteroid, but whether it's still there or his actual whereabouts now, you have no idea. Okay, so because I, I feel compelled to do so, I will make an insight check on um, Visco yeah. here to make sure you're not secretly screwing me over. <laughs> I doubt it, but Marco doesn't. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so that's a 13. Yeah, Garrett, with a 13. Uh, what can Marco glean about Visco's, I guess, intent and demeanor um, with a 13? He's quite calm about everything. Tries very hard not to give away much, but uh, you can tell just from earlier with the interactions that um, his emotions often do get the best of him, especially when something piques his interest. But he seems to be very even keel right now, and I would imagine you probably can't detect really any sort of uh... nefarious intention. Yes, we'll go with that. Um, so, so, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, as smart as I am, there's some things even I don't know. I mean, he was seemed to be physically at the asteroid in this like sort of pocket dimension, but I don't know if they're even still there. Quite frankly, even if they're still alive. Um, Visco will snap his fingers and say, Yarin, you'd best be writing that down. Oh, right away, Captain. Sorry, Captain. <laughs> he puts down his drink, he coughs, and, you know, starts scribbling stuff down. Uh, you said uh, in some sort of asteroid pocket dimension. Um, did I get that right? May not actually still be alive or still there. Yeah. Good enough, yes. So... Uh, Marco's going to take a big drink and say, So, you were really interested in mine and Roddick's book about Kratorian translations. Um, considering the fact that you seem to be like a theater or, or music group, it seems odd that you would take such an interest to that. I suppose this will lead into a bit of uh, open dialogue about something and perhaps several questions back and forth, but I am looking for information regarding the Warden's Twelve and a song. Information on the Warden's Twelve. So, okay, that would explain the Phantasm. You see that the lizard folk, Dosk, kind of perks up at this and nods. Um, 
if I'm not mistaken, the Wardens are uh, part of Praetorian religious folklore, is that correct? That is as much as I've learned, yes. Uh, Dosk here, he's, uh, we thought a bit superstitious at first, but rather he seems to be in tune with a bit of the Wardens and their boons that they can offer us. In fact, Dosk will not. It simply was superstition that Dosk's old crew followed. Dost didn't know it had anything to do with wardens, but it appears that that is where it got its origins. Dost does not know all twelve boons, only three. Yes, that is perhaps a bit of why we're here as well, as uh, seeing if there's any more about these we can find out. Well, um, Kratorian religion was not exactly my forte. Um, I was more involved in a historical standpoint, so I know a little bit about the Twelve Wardens, but, um, uh, not enough to know any legends about boons or anything that they could potentially provide. So, I mean, maybe if we pulled our resources together, and maybe if Mr. Dosk here is willing to, um, g- give whatever information he has, we could maybe put something together here that also prevents you from giving up your fortune to, uh, Mr. Zahar back there. I would agree. Dosk, you'll cooperate with the man. Aye, aye, Captain. First boon is of the phantasm. A parchment should read. May dangerous words be blocked from our ears. Sticking this parchment and a gullion feather to the mainmast with beeswax will protect the entire crew against influence of the mind and detection. Wait, wait, hold, hold. So, hold on. So this boon protects you from mind attacks. So that's how you that's how your whole crew knows about the the mind flayers. How that's why. Indeed it is. So we believe. But what about whenever you leave the ship? Uh, the protection seems to stay, even when we disembark. Holy shit. So Marco has another moment. <laughs> and then comes back and goes, Okay, so what's what's the other two? Dusk. The next is a boon of the Tempest. Tossing the captain's hat into the void on the first day of a voyage and saying the words, may the void shrink before us and grow at our backs, will grant the vessel speed upon that journey. And Visco, you know this is how you lost many of your greatest hats. (laughs) The crew was rather lucky that I did not have the hands from stealing all of my hats. (laughs) The final boon that I know is the Leviathan lashing a scaver to the masthead along with a piece of parchment with the words written upon it may our shots fly true and our timbers remain unsundered will grant luck in combat for the ship and its crew okay so this is oh my god the Wardens are powerful beings. I most certainly, um, I have to be honest, I honestly thought that these boons would be more than, like, you know, the 
the fables of a of a you know a, you know a ship's superstitions, but um, clearly at least one of them has clear recognizable effects. So it stands to reason they all would. I should have paid more attention in religion class. <laughs> a shame you didn't. But yes, they are all quite effective, and the hope is that if we can find more, we will experience more boons. May I make a check to see if I would know anything? Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll remind you, because you, you've had a conversation with Cyrus about the Wardens when you came across that temple. The Kratorian Empire was not, was like pretty secular. Yeah. There were many, many different beliefs and they worshiped many different gods across the entire empire. But Wardenism within the Kratorian Empire was kind of like a fringe religion. And it worshiped apparently 12 celestial entities that are depicted as constellations. And you know that like even within Wardenism, there are 12, but only 11 are known. The 12th Warden is like, even by Wardenism's teachings, like unknowable. All right, so um, to, to put into my own words. So I actually um, know someone from that time um long story short it was a soul in a ring and suddenly they're now in a very conventionally attractive body that's now projected onto like a hologram as happens from time to time (laughs) (laughs) so there's 12 wardens we know this wardenism was a fringe religion in the Kratorian empire it wasn't something that was widely followed um but still very much you know within history enough to have a fresco in the um land of adilphos with the 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 city the giant library um 11 of the celestial spirits are known and then there is one that is known to be unknowable yes assumedly we have the phantasm the tempest and the leviathan so there are hopefully eight more boons at least and well this is a bit of a coincidence i suppose that we're speaking of this uh well, you see, we, uh, we found a song, and we've been working slowly but surely to uh, translate it, and it regales the wardens and uh, a bit of information about each of them. We've uh, had a bit of trouble finishing it, though. Uh, do you have the translations? Do you have the original Cretorian text? Yaren? Oh, right, right here. Oh, um... And uh, he'll pull it out. Um, and he says that um, the with the help of your book, um, we were able to translate most all of it. Um, uh, we're still missing pieces. Uh, it's not a matter of translation. Um, the 12th verse in particular is elusive. Um, we've not been able to find record of it in any of the uh, 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 places that we've looked across the Kratorian Empire. Which certainly tracks with the lack of knowledge of the Twelfth Warden themselves. We have found texts that speak of it, however, which is why we're dead set on finding it. Um, if you need anything else translated you couldn't with my book, I can certainly translate it now. That would be most helpful. Well, he'll slide it across, and uh, you can see that most of the bits are translated already. Looking it over, you just notice a couple errors, but it wasn't <laughs> any errors that, like were catastrophic like the it still made sense to read it was just that like the grammar was off the like the sentence structure was off slightly uh, no no the Kratorian structures like this here oh wait a minute sorry um we're not here to talk about adverbs <laughs> 
<laughs> you wrote this word down in the wrong gender. This is a masculine word. It's actually should be feminine. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's like three hours later and after a long lecture. <laughs> right. <laughs> so ultimately, though, they had a pretty good job. There's not actually a whole lot here that you can help with. The problem is that they're just missing an entire verse. And that is what rather has led us here and finding these boons, uh, the issue with the intellect devourer, and yes, I, I think you can piece together exactly why we are here seeking Zaha's help. We can't go back to crop space with that threat out there, and we can't find the missing verse without going back to crop space. Wait, the intellect devourer? That, that might be why the intellect devourer is on your ship. They're trying to figure out something about the Twelfth Warden. Not only that, I mean, especially if your ship can block their mind um, powers, you're a threat, or certainly at least a uh, anomaly. So they want to know you. They want to know what you're after. So the Twelfth Warden and even these wardens alone could be it. That would certainly make sense. Him getting sent an intellect devourer doesn't sound all that too tactically different than a Eulatharid showing up to speak with you guys. <laughs> so you all are uh, anomaly, essentially. You're able to block out some very powerful magic. You're currently searching for this 12th verse. So essentially a, a ship filled with musicians and bards suddenly becomes captivating or at least even, dare I say, threatening to their presence. The 12th Warden is probably important, like, especially these boons that they can provide. So what do you know about the 12th Warden? Maybe I can help with the information I have. What do I know about the 12th Warden? Next to nothing. Fuck. Next to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know that there is a 12th Warden, um, and, uh, yeah, Visco, the thing you can kind of figure out is that the song has a pattern to it where the wardens take many different forms. You know them. There's the knight, the tempest, the archfey, the priest, the leviathan, the phantasm, the zaratan, the nightmare, the heretic, and the phoenix. Now, the pattern is in sets of three, a humanoid of some sort, an elemental being of some sort and a planar being of some sort. And following that pattern, it implies that the 12th Warden is some sort of planar being. Not literally like the, you know, Leviathan is not literally a Leviathan in that sense. But the whatever its name is and whatever form it presents as should be some sort of planar entity if it follows the pattern of the rest of the song. So if you look here, Mr. Storio, and I pull the lyrics to show. You can see in each each stanza here, uh, the different uh, wardens are described. First, uh, we have, and it, it goes in their forms that they present themselves in, humanoid, elemental, and planar. If this pattern holds, that would mean that the twelfth warden would be some sort of planar being. That is the extent of the knowledge I have about the twelfth warden. Well, that, uh, that at least narrows it down to, you know, several thousand. Yes, one among, <laughs> one among trillions of planar beings, perhaps, yes. Oh, yeah, so, you know, really really cutting it down. Um, Indeed. Well, okay, we've learned something today. You all are able to 
keep yourselves away from the Mind Flayer's influence. Obviously enough, you were interested enough to try to infiltrate your ranks, and unfortunately, um, in the life of your first mate, um, apologies. Um, well, not yeah. apologies, but condolences, that's the word. He was not that great of a first mate. It's quite all right, but thank you nonetheless. Oh, well, I thought, um, I thought Batten was a swell guy. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry, Captain. <laughs> but we've also learned that these boons are very much tangible. Um, enough that I think maybe tossing one of your several hats into the void probably did actually give you a speed boost. It did indeed. Worth the cost of a new hat, even. Okay, I guess the Kratorians certainly tapped into some strange level of divinity, I suppose. Um, wow, that's the, this is fascinating. Um, but either way, but we've also learned that the Twelfth Warden is important enough that the Illithids feel a need to understand it more. So they're... I, I guess, what, are they after you? Are you all being hunted by them? It is quite possible. I don't know for certain, and that's why we are here groveling to Zahar for his help. Hannah's going to speak up and say, your first mate, he just one day betrayed you and attacked? Was he acting weird? Well, he came down with an illness, a flotsam fever, and after that, he started acting a bit odd. Uh, conversation wasn't quite right. Uh, he started stuttering. Uh, hmm. May I make an arcana check to kind of figure out or parse what's happening with this intellect of our? I mean, actually, now that you think of it, one of the things, Marco, that Actuary Pro Lego had said was one of the things that was happening leading up to the fall of the Kratorian Empire was political officials acting weird. Political officials acting weird. That was one of the observations that Galanus Prolego made, like them making out of character decisions and otherwise acting weird. And that led to basically kind of political destability and unrest that kind of ended up marking the beginning of the fall of the entire empire. Okay. So now this is like some, no. Okay. So this is now making more sense. Um, intellect devours, obviously devour the intellect of their host as they're, very crude name implies, um, taking over the mind, um, whether or not the person maintains any level of self-awareness at that point is questionable, but the act of which would probably do some sort of level damage to the person and the body. So acting odd out of behavior, this is what a person's research I found said would happen with a lot of like high-ranking officials that follow the Croatorian Empire. So, this could possibly lead to the idea that um, what had happened is that these people were taken over by intellect of ours similar to your first mate, and that your first mate, after contracting illness, would be more susceptible to being taken over by an intellect of ours. They'd be in a weakened state, and they would not be able to fight back against it, um, overpowering them and overpowering their mind as well. So... Well, this answers a lot of questions about why certain politicians are acting strangely. It turns out it's just intellect devourers. Those darn intellect devourers. <laughs> so, so now we're having more. This is this is how they take over. This is how they control. So I'm willing to bet that if they were in any way concerned about what you were possibly going to find, 
it could be that they try to take over the first mate if they couldn't get to you, indicating to um, Viscos, and maybe try to stage something akin to a coup, a mutiny, something to create chaos that could potentially either kill, bifurcate, destroy your ship, and lead you off the path of the Twelfth Warden. That would certainly make sense. I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that you are a very smart man, is that correct? I would like to believe so, yes. Captain's the smartest there is. Tell you that much. See, that's the, an intellect of ours usually overpower the weak-minded, or at least certainly the damaged-minded. Um, somebody who's sick could probably have less of an ability to resist it. Um, but if you are an able-bodied, exceptionally intelligent person, there's a pretty decent uh, chance that you'll be able to resist them. Yeah, so that makes sense. Barton was a super. Um, I, I look. I look behind me. Uh, there's nobody there. Okay, let's try something new now. I am. What is it that we will try? You turn back to the table, and where Visco and his crewmates and Hannah were sitting around the table, they are now gone. And in fact, the table seems to be just sitting in a black void. And Marco, you are sitting here across from a crone of a woman with long, shimmering silver hair and eyes that are pits of blackness. Although now that you're sitting closer to her and she's kind of with her elbows resting on the table, her hands clasped in front of her long, gnarled nails, you can see her eyes are actually filled with stars. And you can almost make out a very dark, faint purple nebula kind of beyond them. And she smiles. I have been watching you, Mr. Astoria. Hello there. Um, I can see that. Um, uh, may we make introductions? I'm, I'm curious to know who you are. I am Esther Moonchild. Does that name ring a bell? Because I feel like it does. Yeah, that's the woman who has the portal key back to Crot Space. What, um, and you realize you started seeing her well before you were told you need to find her. Es, um, yeah, Esther Moonchild. Um, I sensed you the moment you arrived here at the City of Doors. Your threads of fate are so deliciously twisted. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, I do believe I've been told that I need to talk to you about Hannah and I getting back to, to Crot Space, that you have the key. I do. She unclasps her hands and reaches down. Her hair is like hanging partially in front of her face and she kind of reaches into like a, a pocket and she doesn't pull out a key. She pulls out what looks like a small glass vial and she kind of lazily spins it between two fingers and you see a shimmering silver liquid move in it like mercury or quicksilver. This is your key home. Looking at it, looking at her, I want to say... And what's the price to be paid for taking it? No price. It is yours to take. She will unstopper the small vial. It's probably about three inches long. And pour the liquid metal, which isn't hot. It's like mercury. And it drips out onto the table. 
And as it lands, it kind of pulls and shaping along the grains of the wood table and, and spreads out into an elongated sort of shape where like the puddle of liquid forms into the shape of a key. And as you're looking at it, it's suddenly solid and you're not sure at what point it ever became so. Your key home. Oh, ma'am, I pride myself, at least on my intelligence. And I can safely say from my very small interaction in this land that nothing comes free. What am I paying to take this key? Only what fate has put in front of you. May I and make- then suddenly with a jerk, she reaches out and grabs your wrist. And suddenly she vanishes as your vision is taken over by flashes, visions. Suddenly you see an asteroid complex in orbit high above a emerald green planet with lazy clouds. There are Spelljammer docks coming off in all directions, scaffolding everywhere, and you see hundreds of ships flying the Salvagers Guild colors huddled around it. And one by one, they are shrouded in shadow, and the entire asteroid is shrouded in shadow as some gigantic unseen object blocks the light. Flash, you are now seeing the helm room of the Voidfarer covered in blood. Flash, you see glowing cracks forming across the night sky as you stand upon the deck. Flash, you see a huge, spacious, dark chamber with high domed ceiling. Its walls strangely ribbed and organic looking. A massive pool in its center with a gigantic elder brain within. It is already dead. Flash, you see the Voidfarer flying into the surface of the sun. And suddenly you are back at the table, staring at this crone as she lets go of your wrist. You can take the key and return to your friends whose fate is just as entangled as yours. But the consequences for taking it will be dire. Or you can stay here with me. And she smiles, and you see that she's missing some teeth. The choice is yours. This is my future. Indeed. Looking down at the key, looking back to her. What about Hannah? Does she get to come with me, or does she have to go back? She will go where you go. And then I immediately take the key. As you take the key, she vanishes before you. This void hag vanishes, and you are sitting there at the table, still mid-conversation. Visco, you were in the middle of saying something. What was it? Oh, yes, Bartonkin was a stupid bastard. He No, that's not the voice. Why did I go so harsh? Let me back that up a second. We're extra Scottish on that one. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, so that makes sense. Barton was a stupid bastard. Marco, you um, appear right back in the middle of the conversation um, as if no time has passed. Uh, Visco and Hannah don't seem to notice anything, nor do either of Visco's companions. And Marco, you feel in your hand a solid metal key. Holding the key, um, I look back to the table and I say, Well... In the time that you had the chance to call your first mate a bastard, I have obtained the key out of here, holding up the key. 
What? 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 what, what? Hannah says. That's an exceptionally long story, but we can go back looking at Hannah. Great, she says, relieved. Looking back to Visco, he says, If you want to come back too, you can come with us. We could honestly use the help. I think that perhaps I will take my chances here. But the offer is appreciated nonetheless. Understood. Um, listen, whenever we go back, if you all come back, we could really use the help. So if you do, um, do you have anybody in your crew that knows the spell sending? I do, as a matter of fact. It is me. <laughs> Send me a sending spell and let me know that you're back. And we can potentially stop this together. I could do that. And by that time, I can promise you I will have an entire crew on my side. Very good. Um, I stand up and I extend a hand to him. And Visco will stand and do the same. And I will give him a firm handshake and say, Visco, it's been a true honor meeting you and um, certainly an experience. The honor and pleasure is all mine, Mr. Astoria. Uh, Hannah will stand and like, pleasure meeting you. Um, but uh, if it's all the same, I'd rather get out of here. Um, Best of luck to both of you. Same to you. Marco, like, is just going to, like, as well, could just, like, grab Hannah by the hand and start pulling her along. Mm-hmm. Um, so, holding up the key, this is an exceptionally long story. I look forward to hearing it. I just met, well, I guess I've been followed by a, some sort of hag, I guess, an astral hag, um... I don't know it. And he has been following me. And while Viscos was talking, suddenly we were in this room and she gave me the key and told me that I had a choice to stay with her or to go back and giving me the key. Um, and then I saw flashes of our future and um, it wasn't good. She nods and she kind of gives your hand a squeeze and says, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I, um, and says, if there's, he kind of looks back and like, you kind of like see, like uh, Hannah sees like a confidence in him that like suddenly kind of like spurs up and says, I have been at this now for quite some time ever since we left Toril, and if there's one thing I've learned is that oh, we're pretty good, at least, at defying the odds, and uh, I guess defying fate as well, so at the end of the day, let's go change our destinies. Sounds like a plan. She gives you a kiss on the cheek, and she goes, open this door, would you? Marco blue screens again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Marco is adorable. And then, like, kind of shakes the, the cobwebs for a second and then goes to open the door. All right. Yeah. You hold the key out to nothing and a tear in reality forms both below and above the key as it hangs there in midair. And then that line divides out sideways and the key vanishes entirely, just leaving a doorway of light before you. All right. So we're going to step through and go back home. 
and you land on your ass outside of Kandori's Cradle in front of Flapwing, Ravnus, and some new friends. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again, reprising Visco. It was great having you. Why don't you uh, let everybody know um, what you got going on and where people can find you on the internet? Oh, boy, I can do that. Yeah. Um, my big thing I got going on is a little rock and roll band uh, called Northern Weather. If you want to look us up, we are all over the socials and the music streaming things. Um, you'll hear it here first. We are pressing our first album to vinyl very soon. Hell yeah. Uh, so hopefully by the time you hear this, it will be up for pre-order. So nice. that'll be on our band camp. Hell yeah. Um, and with that, we're going to put this episode to bed and see you all next time. Series dash MS-108, you are go for talking approach. Copy that, series. Jack, what the hell is this? Apparently, a contract has been sold to yet another shell company for Valkyrie. We can't expect to progress in any organization if we don't put in the work. <laughs> I think you got a little brown on your nose. Oh, fuck off, Cameron. Memory desync detected. So you both go check and see what's going on. I'm going to pull up the log. Something really fucked up here. Gallagher, Gallagher, are you there? Yes, I'm, I'm here. And all that data is probably the key to getting out of here. Collision course detected. Oh, Jesus Christ. Make another sanity check. Oh, that's bad. Oh, no. What the fuck? <laughs> back the ship, y'all. Back the ship, y'all. Back the ship, y'all. Fables around the table. Continuum. Playing Mothership. Episode 1, May 24th. Be careful. Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of like uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release Miss Terry, or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Use the dragon filter, that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute, and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out season two of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Did you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy we shit. climbed in a second-story window and partied in this house where we barely... Didn't know at all the people. That was crazy. Holy fuck, Mike Mitchell! Why? Well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do 
Love bare naked ladies. Justin McElroy. Grab your tongue. Grab your tongue, and I want you to say Our born tongue. on a pirate ship. Bum on the pilot ship. You were born on a pile of shit? And many more. So check it out. But also, if you don't like bare naked ladies, we talk about them probably like a third of the time. So. Uh, yes. That's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We could make a board game about it. ProjectDerailed.com